Yeah. Well, how did you find out? Did you go on my website? It says my name on there. I'm not anonymous. Do you not like when people call you Matthias? Why would I not like it? It's my name. But you said, how did I find out? So it's clearly like secret. I was just interested. It's not secret. It's on my website. Oh, I looked it up on like Hunter College. Okay, that's a little weird. Why is that weird? <laughs> There's like in 2015, you had a presentation. Oh, like... yeah, which I didn't actually go to. I missed my flight. What? Did you uh, get like in major trouble? No, it was I. It, I didn't get in trouble because it was, um, like a. It wasn't a that type of thing. It was like I was supposed to be a panelist on a panel. Oh. It was about well, you, going. You were, what? You were studying uh, penitentiaries in nineteenth century. Uh yeah, I guess. You guess. Huh. It was a panel about like uh, it was a panel with where like undergraduates could go and talk to people who are who are in grad school who had gone to that college. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do the intro for you now. Okay, so Matthias oh. T. May. Wait, how'd you say your last name? Might You're still? doing really well so far. Thank you. <laughs> how'd you say your last name? My last name is Meitzelfeld. Meitzelfeld? Yes. Okay. Matai, this is, wait, let me start. Slow Pilot, episode nine. I'm here with Matthias T. Meitzfield. Very close. Writer on Witchcraft Mag, Hobart, many other publications. One of the new Hobart editors. A very controversial writer. What? You don't think you're controversial? No. You wrote a story. There, I'm not gonna be one of that. I was going. I, you know, I was gonna like block everyone and denounce you. Is that like true? In, yeah, in February, I was so pissed off. Why? Because you published a story with the inward in it. So. I don't agree. I guess I don't always agree with some of the politics of misery tourism. But right. I still I still attend their things. I respect. They listen to me and they listen to me. They I listen to them. It's just uh, you know, difference in opinion. But we yeah. still get along. Well you're you're you seem tense. Do I? How do you feel? Why did you how did you feel about a story? I guess you liked it. I try to, um, to stay out of that. Well, I mean, it was a nonfiction story, and I was reproducing uh, quotes from um, from internet chats that happened in my life, and I reproduced them the way that they were presented to me. Okay, so you and weren't I, doing it to be like shocking, then? Uh. Uh, I was I was trying to represent the person that I was writing about. Okay. But I that's certainly that not certainly the person that I was writing about said things to be shocking. Yeah. Do you want to read one of your pieces right now? Not that, not that one. But from witchcraft. Meth is not the best drug for clubbing. It is better suited for intimacy. Small groups. Hotel rooms, deep conversations, deep fucking, 
For dancing in disco lights, what you really want is Molly. We didn't have Molly, though, just meth and booze. We drank Jaeger bombs and vodka Red Bulls. I tipped the bartenders a 10 for each round. I felt aggressive and lonely. The more we drank, the worse it got. I wanted to fight. I felt ruthless. Dancing felt terrible. I danced with an older white guy for a while. He invited us back to his hotel in the loop. Trump International, baby, he said. He's lying, Crystal whispered. She was probably right. Out on the sidewalk, we smoked cigarettes and argued with drag queens. I hated drag queens back then. For political reasons, I would have said. It was probably some kind of subsumed jealousy. They were so good at makeup. They got all the attention at the club. Maybe I saw myself in them and didn't want to. I was so insecure, self-conscious, unsure about my identity, and overconfident to compensate. I was very concerned with how other people saw me. I needed others to recognize and validate my womanhood. I thought cross-dressing was evil, like cultural appropriation. I didn't do it for some sick sexual thrill. This was me, who I was. Drag was even worse, like a mockery of my being on a stage in public and for cash. One of the drag queens outside the club saw through my facade. She saw right through the bluster and into my soul. Bitch, you're a drag queen, she said. I'm not, I shrieked. I'm not a drag queen. I'm a real woman, biologically female, see? I pulled up my dress and whipped my dick out of my panties. Already shrunk down by amphetamines, in the sub-zero cold, it was double extra shriveled. The drag queens were not impressed. They flicked their cigarettes in our direction and flocked away. Fuck them, said Crystal. It was us against the world. It was really good. You don't Thanks. like that one? No, I love it. Uh... No, I love that moment. It felt. It feels like looking back. It's like a, it was a pivotal moment in my life. And that was a nonfiction essay. Yeah, because it was somebody like actually seeing, like seeing, seeing something much closer to what I would actually say is my true self, which is a drag queen. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's cool you go okay. back to that moment and you can pinpoint your feelings. Sometimes yeah. that's a bit difficult for me. Uh huh. Like I'll be writing about something from the past, but using the politics that I have now, and it's not as great as a representation right i really tried so like you know i uh people watching this may not know this because they don't know who i am but i i detransitioned basically and so, something that happens i think when you go through a really pivotal shift like that is you 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 your brain sort of automatically starts like uh, trying to figure out all the things that you did wrong or something to get to that point and one of the things that's been really helpful about doing this writing about that part of my life is trying to get back into that headspace and, you know, trying to, and, and figuring out a way to like, to understand that person that I was and to empathize with that person so that I'm not like, you know, angry at, at my former self or that I don't have these like feelings of negativity 
did you used to before you started writing this part of your life? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like, uh, I kind of look at that phase in my life as like, I don't know, imagine you look back at yourself when you're like 14 or 15. Mm. And like, it's a pretty common experience, I think, when people see see like photos of themselves from that age, and they look at themselves and they think like, God, I was such a, I was such a nerd, or I was such a ex, I was such a whatever, you know, life is so often life is like you, you go, you go through a change, and then you want to like kill the person that you used to be or something and mm -hmm. it's so i don't know i think it's so important to like to 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 find ways to forgive yourself from the past and to like empathize with that person and to realize that you're that's still who you are and mm -hmm. that without that version of yourself you wouldn't be the version of yourself that you are now yeah so when you we were talking earlier about this graduate post-conference thing you would were going to how far after how soon after that did you drop out because you it was your second you were in your second year at i think wasn't it hunter college i went to hunter college for undergrad yeah oh, okay yeah i graduated from there in 2010 mm -hmm. and then where did you go after that um I, well i kind of bummed around for a couple years after that really i yeah uh, yeah i um like hitchhiked around the uh well mostly the northeast and the south a little bit i was in new orleans for a little while wow and uh, i was in vermont for a little Wait, while new orleans like post katrina yeah it's 2010 yeah that'd be post yeah yeah quite so were you did you have any idea that you would uh that you were wanting to transition at that point there there were a few like really discreet moments i think there was like um after the first thing i did actually when i after i graduated college i was working in a bookstore in new york and i, I didn't like it it why what why it was just like um i don't know it was uh, um i don't know <laughs> Like, was it the people or is it just like the scene or like the year? Yeah. Was there a, a, like a. A lot of it was probably me. It was like, and there was like a culture. So I worked at the Strand, which was like, oh, there, wow. there was sort of like a culture of yeah. like disaffected, <laughs> like um, educated, like um, sour employees well, there. And what we can do. There was like a, oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read that in her book recently. Did you work with her? No, I think I would have been a, just like a couple of, I missed her like by a couple of years, I think. I read her you, essay recently about that and I was like, that's crazy because I worked in the basement, which I think is also where she worked. Ooh. And it was probably just a couple of years later. <laughs> What's the basement like? Uh, very sweaty. Oh, it's not magical. Uh, it was like there, well, you know, it was a lot of the sections that were not as popular. <laughs> mm -hmm. Isn't it like three and, stories or something? Yeah, it's really big. I actually, I think it's a really cool place, I should say, now. I just, it was not, it was like, it was like my, I guess it was my first full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I had just graduated college and I didn't know what I was doing. And it, it 
paid very little and I was like uh, drunk. And so I was just like, you know, I, basically all the time, either I was working or drinking and I, I was just not a really like, not a happy existence, you know? Mm -hmm. If you go back there, are people there that like recognize you and they're like, oh, Matthias, you're back. Yeah. Uh, no. No. It's mm -hmm. been such a long time. I mean, there's a really high turnover there. Oh, yeah. A lot of people just work there for like a few months or a couple of years. There's probably a few people that still work there that I would maybe know. But they probably wouldn't recognize me. That's the thing. I, I was there like six months. Uh -oh. So if you've worked there for a long period of time, like um, you've seen like probably thousands, you've, you know, you've met like thousands of people that work there. And, mm -hmm. Would you ever want to start your own bookstore? Uh, I like had a funny idea that I wanted to a couple of years ago, but I don't know. I, I don't know that it's a, I don't know if there's really much of a future in that. Yeah, there's not, you know? So, okay. So like you, how soon after that do you. So I, after that, I moved to Tennessee to live on a like a LGBT commune. What? What is this? Let's hear about this. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and I lived there for like six months or so. There's so it's like a place where there's a they have a music festival every year, and so like a lot of people that I knew, just like queer people, punks in the mm -hmm. city, uh, would like you know, and you know there was a whole like commute sort of community of like traveling. Queers, artsy, like punk, rock, radical. Yeah, and I lived in a house in Brooklyn where a lot of those people would come and visit. It was like part of the network, basically. Um, so, so yeah, you're getting paid pretty low at the Strand. How do you afford all this? Afford what? Like staying at a house in New York and then moving to a commune in Tennessee. If you're not getting paid very much. Um. Well, I was just very, always very broke. Oh. So you <laughs> and, moved uh, and you didn't have any money? Right. So the, the deal at the commune basically was like you could be a, a gardening intern and they would let you stay there. And you're supposed to work oh. in the garden, like growing food for people. When I look back, um, you were supposed to work like 30 hours a week. And in exchange for that, they gave you food and a place to stay. And most of the interns like lived in tents or like in a barn. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know like how that would work out if you like, you know, if you worked it out to how much you were getting paid an hour because you didn't get any money. And they also asked you for money. A lot of people actually paid them, I don't think. But like they a asked charity for, thing? Like to contribute for groceries and stuff like that. Did anyone like hit on you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a big part of the culture, I think. And like they, they, had, to... they had like a music festival every year where like five or six hundred people would come. So were, like everyone like having sex, or was it like really ugly people? <laughs> there was people having sex for sure. But like a lot? Was it like uh was that like the thing that's why people went? Or was it sketchy? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, why do gay people like come together? Like, is, it, is it still around? Can you still go down there? I think so. I think it's a little different now than it used to be. 
I don't know. I always wanted to leave everywhere. That was the thing. Like, never wanted to stay. Like, I, yeah, there was something about, there's something about, like, I don't know. I had that wanderlust and just that, that like need and desire to be constantly running away from, from everything, running and running away from my life. Did you learn anything like pivotal at this commune? Did you meet Probably. anyone? Oh, and the reason I guess that I brought it up was because like you asked me about like knowing if I felt like I was trans or something, mm -hmm. you know, when I was like around, there was something about like, uh, you know, you always know that there's like something a little bit, the, the thing is there's, there's obviously something that's, that's to me, there's like, there's something different about, there's something different about about my, uh, you know, my gender expression or something. Oh, do you have gender I mean, dysphoria? I wouldn't say that. No. What about body um, dysphoria? Um, what's that? Where you look at your, you look in the mirror, and maybe you have your clothes off, and you don't feel like it's your body. You have your clothes off. Yeah, like you get no. out of the shower and you see your body in the mirror. Like that's not <laughs> what is in my head. No. I don't have that. A bit more extreme. I don't think I have that. Okay. So at this commune, you're having these feelings because you see these other people that have transitioned. Yeah. And I think it's like you, you realize that it's a thing that's possible and you realize that it's like uh, it can it can be, uh, you know, it can be like a normal thing when you're but around other people like that. It wasn't like forced on you, I guess, because the politics of people thinking that transitioning is forced on people or some bullshit. No. Okay, cool. So then when, what, at what point after this, are you thinking about going back into like college or like a secondary? Uh, well, you know, a lot of it was just like, um, getting, being fed up with being like being broke all the time and, mm -hmm. uh, desire also desiring the opposite of what, is is happening in your life you know i was like traveling around a lot and uh i you know i you, it got i got in my head like oh i would really like to put down roots and settle down somewhere mm -hmm. and um i knew that um if you go to a phd program you can go to one that's fun like funded and they'll give you money just to like be a student there and so that was really appealing because uh i didn't work i didn't have like I, I had like little odd jobs here and there, but I didn't have a, after working at the strand, mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, I was always like, I always just had, you know, whatever handful of dollar bills and coins. I was like, I played music <laughs> on the street. Oh, really? Yeah. Like with a, like a jazz thing. Um, I used Pardon to play me. ukulele. <laughs> really? Yeah. In the subway. How do you learn it? It's not that hard. You could just play like some little chord, some chords. It's pretty easy. When did you buy this? You like saw it at a shop and like, I'm going to play the ukulele. I don't know. I think, you know, I play guitar and uh, ukulele is just nice because it's really portable. You can like put yeah. it in a, just a little, like you could put it in a backpack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you could use it as a weapon if someone tries to attack you. Yeah. So what your... might just make them more angry. Mm -hmm. So are you communicating with the parents at all during this time of traveling around? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're cool with it? Yeah. 
I think so. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes. Yeah, I do. How do they feel about it? I don't know. <laughs> Did they go into post-secondary education? <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't have to talk about my family, though. Oh, you don't want to talk about your family? Well, I mean, as as far maybe as far as it's relevant to like my own stuff, but you're transitioning. Yeah. So you do you transition after you drop out? Um, I started on hormones like in my third year of grad school. Your third year, okay. Yeah. And you weren't sure what you were doing there, right? What I was doing where in grad school? Yeah, you said at some point in our past conversations you were like unsure. Yeah, I really lost focus. I don't know if I ever had it exactly. I was writing something about that the other day, like how my interests seem to change. Like, you know, by the third year in the program I was in, you're supposed to be reading for your comprehensive exam, which was like a, you know, an oral exam where you read something like 60 texts and then you're tested on them in a like extemporaneous conversation with your faculty committee and um those those lists eventually become the like the preliminary bibliography for the dissertation so you're supposed to be kind of like narrowing down what your topic is going to be and i really like i never really got there it seemed like every like every semester i would take a new i would take courses with a new professor and and like I would fill my head with that stuff and change everything that I wanted to do and study. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And and by the time I got to the third year, I was really burnt out. And I like my brain was really, really, really overstuffed with with like ideas and texts and so why didn't you go for like an MFA? When? Oh. Why didn't I? Yeah. Well, I had no r- real inkling that I wanted to do anything creative at that point yeah i was very um i was super creative in high school like i took art classes and stuff like that and i never really did creative writing until just a couple years ago so this penitentiary thing how did you get interested in that it was like one of the classes you took yeah yeah i guess (laughs) you don't know you can talk like educated. Yeah, no, no. Is that is that all the questions that you had written? No, I don't write any questions. I just go off conversation. I think uh well I taken a class where we re- we read a lot of Jeremy Bentham, like uh stuff about the Panopticon prison and his like different social structures and stuff like that. And I of think course. that's where like the sort of seed was planted or something. Okay. You're in a penitentiary of your in your own mind. Probably that's probably what it was. Is that I was in, that I felt very trapped and imprisoned in my own brain. And is this where Todd comes from? Mm, no, <laughs> Todd is one of your characters that you've created. So right, you dropped out. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone from that time in your life that you've kept up with? Oh yeah. There's a couple people, actually. Actually, one person that I've kept in touch with who's a poet named Hannah Brooks Modal. We, we still communicate. We were in the same class. Mm. Yeah, she's a really wonderful poet and dancer. 
and a PhD graduate. So then you transitioned after you dropped out? Yeah, I started, like I started hormones in that, during that third year. And. Do you think you'll ever go back to post-secondary education? I do not think so. Not for like an MFA or anything? No, I don't think so. Probably a good idea. I don't think, um, I don't think I see myself primarily as a, as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And would you ever teach a workshop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Like yeah. on Hobart. What? Like on Hobart. Maybe. I don't know if I could do like an online class. Oh, you don't like online. I don't. It's not really my preference. I was sort of happy when things started going back to not being on Zoom. You're very social. I'm not very social. Yeah, I like other people. I, I do like other people a lot, but I mostly um, spend time by myself. You're an extrovert. I'm, I am. I would say I'm an extrovert who prefers to be alone. <laughs> okay. When did you realize you were gay? Uh, probably around fifth or sixth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a kid in my sixth grade class who wore... Uh, a white beater like this one and a Hawaiian mm -hmm. shirt unbuttoned over top of it. And he had spiked hair huh. and every, yeah, I, I think that was the first person that I had like a gay crush on. Do you feel shame? Uh, probably not at that point. Well, maybe, I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure. Okay. I guess, yeah, no, I probably did feel shame. I mean, you, you, you don't want to be gay when you're. Why not? Like when so you're in, because like when you're in elementary school, like that's, isn't that kind of like one of the, it's like one of the main insults. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Okay. So you, <laughs> when you're transitioning, when do you realize that you're going to detransition? Is that when you have your nervous breakdown too? Yeah, it all kind of came at the same time. What's the span of time from when you drop out and transition and then you detransition? So, well, I the um, it was two years. I I, I start. It was yeah. a two two year period in total that I from when I started transitioning to when I stopped and uh -huh. went back. Yeah. So when you take the hormones, what do those do to your body? Um, well, the feminizing hormones, they redistribute some of the fat in your body and face. Mm -hmm. um, and so you end up with like a little bit more like hip action and like, yeah, the, fa the facial structure, like just kind of, you know, puff uh, fills out a little bit mm -hmm. and you grow up br uh, breasts yeah and uh you you know the thing that i actually do miss is that it was like there's like a, a testosterone blocker and it, like it made my skin really nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it like shrinks all your pores and it made me like have this kind of like a glow i would say to my skin that i've never really been able to get back and also i didn't have acne anymore
That's nice. Yeah, that's the one thing I miss. So how long do you take those? And then you see these changes that you're going through. You know, like this isn't for me. Well, it all seemed like it was. I mean, I was very like, and it, and it was, it was, it was right. I, I think it was right. I think so. I think it was right at the time. For the time. So at do the you, time. I, I mean, I, there was never. That's complicated. I definitely like. You don't regret it then? No. Oh. No. So why, so why, why don't you stay? Why didn't you stay with that? It didn't, it stopped being right. <laughs> so do you, so, okay, that's interesting. So for a time, do you think that you identified as a woman and that was that for that time it was right? And then Absolutely. it stopped yeah. being right. Yeah. So do you, so it's not really the detransition thing is that's kind of complicated. Because you're. Yeah. You're a man, and you're a woman, and then you're a man. Do you see yourself as that? I don't think. Um, I don't think. Is that too simplified? Uh, it doesn't bother me that other people would see me that way. But it's cool that you think that way, I guess, or that you felt that way. Yeah. Because I would it... think if you hear someone transitioned and then they detransitioned, you think that, oh, they made a mistake a or something mistake. yeah it's a really common yeah that's a really common narrative that's like in the in the media yeah it is you know you see you see them in like right-wing media all the time yes exactly people get their stories picked up people who fit that model or who you know or who make those claims yeah yeah okay what point do you have your uh psychological breakdown so that was in 2017 it was kind of a long time coming i mean i was not like <laughs> That's the, that I guess that's the thing that I should say is that like I was I wasn't really like um mentally well for pretty much any of the time that that I did transition. I was very not well. Um but it sort of escalated and uh especially when some like drugs got involved. Like what drugs? Well, you know, I had I'd been I had been a heavy drinker like through for a long time. Like what was your drink of choice? Oh, I don't know. I used to drink wine. Like I would, <laughs> when I was in grad school, I would buy, like I would go, I would stop at the liquor store every day on the way home and buy like a pack mm -hmm. of American spirit. Well, I had the rolling tobacco and like two bottles of white wine. And then I would take a clonopin and smoke cigarettes and drink two bottles of wine at least. And mm -hmm. sometimes I would like go out in a sort of like a blackout drunk <laughs> um state were you seeing someone at that time um i don't know i guess i was seeing a lot of different people sometimes multiple people you have multiple partners i had like i had a couple of like not very serious relationships i would say during that time okay so where were we at your psychological breakdown what was that like oh yeah when does that start and like what's the process of breaking down well i um uh i don't know there wasn't like a definitely felt like it came on sort of gradually um but i you know i was using amphetamines and um like meth 
Yes. And what is meth like? What is the form of it? Is that like out of a pipe, like a little glass bottle? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a crystal. Okay. Yeah, and you just can you don't. It's not really smoking. You're making a vapor, so you vaporize him. Okay. Um, and yeah, I went down to the the commune in Tennessee, and I took a lot of LSD. We went back. Yeah, I got. I went back a bunch of times. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Like, wait, you and were in New York and then you went back? I was in Chicago. Oh. It's also complicated. <laughs> Just a lot of. I was in so many places in like such a short period of time. It's hard to like remember it all and keep it in the order. You have a journal. Sometimes. Okay, so yeah, I was in Tennessee and I was at this festival and I was like, I remember like not sleeping very much while I was there. And I, that there was a, it was like, I, it was like I got high and then, then never stopped, you know, usually you come down oh. after a high. And it, I remember coming back to Chicago and feeling like I'm still high from last week. And I just stayed that way for like six months. And oh yeah. Do you miss those times? uh miss i wouldn't want to do that again do you get the urge like i don't want to be but, like have, right but then I you do, they, you suppress it because you know it's bad um it's pretty rare yeah yeah but I, yeah sometimes but it's it's not not very often so when you break down what is the process of that i guess well like i said it was like um yeah, it was just like it was just be, it was like being extremely, extremely high for uh, an extended period of time, and um, I had some some like uh, some delusion stuff. Is it hard and, to talk about? Uh, well, it's very hard to describe. It's giving me anxiety. It's very hard to describe because it's not. There's no like. There's no coordinates in like everyday reality. You know, mm -hmm. there's this reality that we all kind of share and the language that we have is attached in some way. There are coordinates that connect that language to the reality that like we both participate in. Mm -hmm. And when you really lose touch with that reality and experience something different, it's like there's not really language to describe it exactly. So how would you write it? It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write it in your book that Elizabeth Allen is uh, publishing? I've I've written about it, yeah, some. What has she said? I don't know. She hasn't said anything about she that. Hasn't read it yet? Like, she has she's publishing it. <laughs> she hasn't said anything about that aspect in particular. I don't think. Oh, okay. Um, there was like, I don't know. There was lots of different things. There was like this um. There, it, it, it felt like being possessed. It felt like be, it felt like there was some spirit that took control of my body and like sort of became one with me. I never really, yeah. And that was very, very had a lot of energy and was connected to like different realms that I think probably exist, but that we're not really like you know we're not really built to experience what by, by what by different realms. Uh, like different 
dimensions or different aspects of the universe that human beings are not really designed to be privy to, or at least not to that degree or extent. What do you mean? What do you mean? (laughs) Like, how do you feel that? How do you experience this? Is it purple? Um, What's the colors like? Well, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I think you would probably say like hallucination. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are there other people in these planes of existence? I think so. It's like a parallel universe. Yeah, I guess if it's a breakdown, you're going, you're going to see some other shit. Do you think you uh-huh. could go back there? Do you do I think I I could without, go back there? Yeah, without breaking down. Uh yeah, kind of. I think like that's well maybe that's something that comes with like really a really robust spiritual practice maybe is like being in tune. Yeah, like maybe being in tune with different facets of reality. Um, but I think that the problem is like accessing all of that in a very unintentional way, kind of all at once and not really having any control over it. Mm -hmm. So after this, do you go to like a medical institution? Uh, yeah, I was hospitalized, um, (gasps) four times or five times. Yeah, the first time in in Chicago was like a, a acute psychosis where I was really like seeing and hearing things that weren't there and Uh-oh. or maybe were there but were somewhere else. Um and then again in New York. Well, how do you know if they're not from the other planes of existence? I think they probably are. That would be so do my you think they they were real then in some sort of way, but not real to us in this existence. Well, yeah, it, it, it seemed very real. What do these things look like? Like shadow people? Yeah. I've I've seen there, was like, I, there was something where there was like a really large eye or something in the sky, in the sky. And for <gasps> some reason I had this, like I had this like sustained delusion that I was in uh, some kind of, um, like a television show or a like an advertisement, and I was mm-hmm. like showing things off. Like I remember specifically having these in- incredible urges to like every time I ate or drank something to like show it to the to the people who are watching in the sky, and there being like a really large eye, and that I was like a like in a like a model in an advertisement or something. Like uh, in that movie, The Truman Show, where the wife does that. Yeah. Do you think yeah. you would have? Do you think you would have done that if you hadn't like watched movies or TV ever? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think there's been some like papers on um, like how the, how symptoms of schizophrenia change over time mm-hmm. um, in accordance with like the dominant media forms. Like it used to be that people would have these experiences of um, like radio signals and stuff coming into their heads. Mm-hmm. And then as television, like television became more popular and radio less. So like people, the form of people's hallucinations changed from like, you know, those auditory, like radio signal type things to being like, I don't know, more televisual. So mm-hmm. I think that, I, yeah, I think the media de- de- definitely plays a part in, at least in the surface level manifestations of 
of uh, stuff like that. Do you think the eye was like a biblically accurate angel? <laughs> yeah, I think. Have you seen those images? Yeah, I love them. Yeah, yeah, I think that it was something like that. When I saw those images, when you see those images, you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably it. Wait, had you seen those before? I don't think you... so. No, I don't think so. Wow, interesting. It, yeah, it's like a resonant thing. But there's something very resonant about those images, isn't there? I guess. So when did you start writing? Um, I really started writing... Well, you know, I was writing criticism during grad school, but I didn't start writing yeah. like nonfiction, which is what I've mostly been doing is nonfiction. Um, until like, oh, 2019 or something. And I didn't have anything published until the very beginning of 2020. Was it weird to go into uh, like creative fiction? Um, if It wasn't weird. No, it felt good. Yeah. When do you yeah. create these characters? What? When do you create these characters like Todd and Unity and Oh I don't know. I like I don't know. I, I created all these characters that um I don't know. They all kind of popped into my head at all at once in like around twenty twenty or something. Yeah. Oh. And then when do you decide to start performing as them? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really done, I don't know. I, you know, I made these like Twitter accounts for all these different characters yeah. for, based on like different stories and things that I was writing. And I kind of set a lot of that aside because oh, I felt like, gonna... I don't know. It was like becoming, kind. it was, it was starting to become a distraction. You know, I, I saw something that, um, Jackie S said in an interview, she was talking about her book, Daryl, which I think began as like a Twitter bit. Like she had a, a Twitter account for somebody named Daryl, maybe. Yeah, and... yes. yeah you know that book, Daryl? Mm. Oh, really? You should read that. Who's Jackie S? Um, look. You haven't read this? No. You're slacking. Where where's it from? It's from Clash Books. Oh. Yeah. Not expat. No, I think you would really like this. What's it about? It's about a um, a, a cuckold. Mm -hmm. a but I think I would like that. Uh, because it's great. Thank anybody, you. I recommend it to everybody. Okay. I've actually, yeah, I a lot of people that. <laughs> it's really, it's just really funny. Anyway, I read an interview with the author, and she was talking about how. Do you know her? I don't. I read an interview with her and she said, I think that the she sort of started writing the book and also made a, a Twitter account for the main character at the same time. And she had written something, I don't know, about uh, the bit starting to distract from the actual writing, yeah. which I think was happening with me. I was like making, I was coming up with a lot of ideas and not like um, executing them. And instead of executing them, I was like making Twitter accounts for the, characters and stories and stuff <laughs> yeah I, mean, I know how that is yeah it's like just sort of a form of procrastination and i yeah i mean i've mostly just been working on nonfiction. but maybe it was a way to see what you're capable of doing and not doing 
Yeah, and uh, also like a, try, trying to get inside the head of 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 a character or something like that. Maybe like you're just like creatively like writhing and just like reaching out and like wiggling your create creative ways. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so what what point? What's your first publication? Um. Well, I had an essay that was in Hobart before everything happened. Before what? Who chose that? Who chose the uh, piece? Um, Elizabeth Elizabeth Allen. Not El Nash. Nope. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the fir- the first thing that I had accepted ever was uh, one of for Elizabeth Allen's fucked up modern love series on Hobart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then does she she, re- she reaches out to you and like tells you. I'm publishing it. Yeah, yeah. I I submitted it to her email, and and she wrote back and said that she was going to publish it. When do you start your friendship? Your friendship with her? Um, I you know we just started kind of continued corresponding after that first publication, and she published another one of my essays, and uh, eventually at some point said that if I had a like a full manuscript of material that was like that, that sh- she would be interested in reading it. And that is basically where the book came from. Like the kernel for the book came from the fucked up modern love essays. Were you, weren't you writing another book about like Miss Mabel or who killed Frost or something? That's the title of the book. Yeah. Who killed Mabel Frost? But I mean, before that, weren't you with the characters, Todd and unity, weren't you, writing some other book um yeah i started writing a novel based on the character that i created named sybil yeah who was like a teenage trans meth addict um but i kind of set it aside i wrote like almost all of a first draft and i wasn't super happy with it and Mm -hmm. i've always intended to like pick it up again and maybe rewrite it try to rewrite it from the beginning Who's your favorite writers when you're reading? Who are my favorite writers? So when you're reading during your, in your secondary education, are you reading novels and shit? Yeah, I was reading Victorian novels, mostly. And you so, enjoy those? Yeah. I, you, Charles Dickens, George Eliot, um, Emily Bronte, stuff like that. Do you take what they did and put it that into your writing? Um, like you're inspired? When you sit down to write, do you look at other people's writing and you take directly from them or are you inspired by them? Or do you just like go? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes what? Uh, Sometimes I feel more directly inspired and then sometimes not as much. Definitely when I was like, I thought, I thought about Charles Dickens a lot and very, very inspired by that writer and, um you know he did uh he was very like drag oriented he mm-hmm. and the, the theater oriented he would do like you know very large public performances readings of his works where he yeah. would act out all of the different characters and i've always loved that like um the way that 
I think for for him, literature was like very much a uh, a perform a type of performance art, mm-hmm. um, a type of theater, and not just it was never just something that was meant to be like static on the page. It was always there was always an element of performance that was sort of in the in the cent in the center of that, and that's something that I I've definitely. I mean, writing is absolutely uh, like a performance for me. Oh yeah, it satisfies. Like, I mean, that's I. I, I really think that like I, I'm designed to be a performer. So like drag on the page. Yeah, basically. So you're and I love like read. I love doing readings. Like, I it's just it's really fun for me. When you it, first started uh, doing readings, was it always you brought that energy? Yeah, I think so. Because you would perform like as the characters too, right? Yeah, and I meant you know I'm a drag, I'm a drag queen. When you started doing drag again after detransitioning, yeah, how much did you I put did... into the character? How much of what? The when you were transitioning to be a real woman, and then you put in like what do you take? I don't know. Do you go full force? Do you put everything? Like, do you want people to think you're a real woman when you do drag, or do you want it to be clearly a performance of femininity? No, I think it. Yeah, I think it's a performance. I think it's. Yeah, like, I mean, it is. But when you're performing, <laughs> when I'm performing, you, it's a performance. Yeah, I'm just like. Yeah. I think it's a cart. It's like a. It's a. It's not. It's not intended to be, um, like a like an uh, really even like a an accurate representation of like the way human women behave or perform it's more like a extremely exaggerated kind of like it's like mm, and also you know the way you do your face it's not you know I, i think there are some probably performers who try to look exactly like a like a real human woman but I think for most, probably for most drag queens and for me, it's definitely. Um, uh, and I've heard it described this way. It's like you're trying to create like a cartoon illustration more yeah. with the makeup of a woman rather than like a... Well, yeah, because you're putting on a show and you want people to go buy drinks and like from the bar. And that's how the right. bar makes money. Yeah. That's the job of the drag queen. So, okay. What well, was funny? That's the job of the drag queen. Yeah. They want to yeah. make money for the bar. Yeah. And they're that's putting what, on a show at the bar. That's what we love to do. Just make money. That's how they're going to make money because a lot of the bars then are going to rehire you the more mm-hmm. money that they make that night. And they might even employ you and put you like you're the host of a weekly show like the mm-hmm. one you have. Mm-hmm. You don't see it that way? Yeah, I guess so. You've never thought of it like that? Um, uh, well, I definitely always want to do a really good job and entertain people. You're thinking more about your performance than the people that are buying drinks. I mean, that probably would make sense. Yeah, I think so. I followed around a drag family for like a few years. So. Followed around? Yeah, because I did a class called Immersion Journalism, and I was supposed to do drag but i didn't end up doing it but i just Mm -hmm. like kind of got into that community for a few years yeah yeah and i tried to study it and try to understand it 
and about some nice people. Yeah, I'm a singer songwriter. Can you put your videos on uh, YouTube? Uh, well, you know, there was a moment where I was doing like covers of Lana Del Rey songs and I put a lot of them up uh, and then took them all down. <laughs> what is she sung? Who is Lana what is Del Rey? What? Who is Lana Del Rey? Who is Lana Del Rey? For people that is don't that know. Real, is that a real question? Sure. Uh, well, it's the stage name of Elizabeth Grant, who is uh, an American singer and songwriter who rose to prominence in the, uh, I believe, early 2010s with her song Video Games and Blue Jeans and her debut album Born to Die. She later released albums like Ultraviolence, Honey You know Moon. a lot about her. Um... Can you sing some of her song? Don't want me to do that because it's uh, no. you might get it taken down. No, it's audio. What's audio? Just do like three seconds or just hum the tune. You should look up her music and listen yeah. to it. That would be a good use of your time. You don't want to sing? <laughs> you can talk I want you. I want you to listen to Lana Del Rey. I think you like a rip off of Britney Spears or something. I, I, I think you're gonna have to find that out for yourself. Oh, so she is. I, I, um. Why do you think so many literary people like Lana Del Rey? Uh, because she is a, a a poet. She's a great poet in the American songwriting tradition. I would say. I would say mm -hmm. she's sort of in a lineage with like um, uh, Joni Mitchell, Bruce Springsteen, Leonard Cohen. Really? Yeah. Elvis? Elvis, I don't think, was much of a songwriter. I don't know. I think most of oh, did songs that were written by other people. But when yeah. Get... Yeah, and she sings about Elvis sometimes, too. When do you get involved with Misery Tourism? Um, well, they were one of the... Well, yeah, they were one of the pl first places to publish my stuff. When you saw their magazine, you're like, this is a place I want to publish. Uh, yeah. You didn't look down on them for their art style? For their... <laughs> no, I like their art. You didn't look down on like, oh, I'm too good for this shit? No. Oh, no, okay. they were... <laughs> Do you ever feel that way? Um, no. No? Like, too good for what? Like, you're too important and to your you have a big ego who am i i have 700 followers on twitter <laughs> you're a new hobart editor man i think you know got, talk, talk to me again once i hit a thousand followers and after this episode goes up and i'll yeah after this episode goes up and i skyrocket up to 784 we can revisit the question of whether i feel like i'm too good for any of online literary magazines where would you not publish uh i don't know don't you hate okay donkey or something no you don't i think will does um He's i don't really i don't really mm -hmm. know those those i don't know i mean i don't know those people I, all i know is that there was like a, a kerfuffle 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, um, I think, I think there's, I think it's silly that there's this, this impulse among people who are, you know, who are creatives to, uh, do things like, you know, blacklist and censor and, um, remove people's publications. It's a, it's a strange thing and I don't agree with it. And I think that there's probably a lot of places that wouldn't want to publish me um, because of that. But I, I don't know. That's fine. They're because different. your association with Elizabeth Ellen. Yeah, and and um, you know other controversial figures and then magazines. I mean, misery tourism is very. I guess I I don't know. It's like the thing is I like I don't really, I don't have I don't really like experience that very much. You know, I, I think that there's they're they're really separate worlds kind of online. There's like yeah. a there's like, you know, the independent literature community, whatever. It feels like very, very, very separate little spheres. And they don't really I don't know, don't really interact that much. And they seem like I don't know what who interacts. Like the I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe what do you it. mean? Like magazines don't interact with each other. Yeah, like the misery tourism crowd doesn't really have a whole lot of like overlap in terms of people or really much interaction with like the other or the other, you know, I don't know, wig leaf, things like that. Like everyone who gets published in a magazine, their first magazine, sometimes they just stay with that publication and kind of stay in that community. Yeah, there's extremely different style, like sort of like ta you know tastes that people have and different style, and I don't think that there there's a problem with that. I know that there's some people probably that <laughs> I'm not. I don't have a problem with anybody. You don't have a problem with any of the misery tourism people. No. No. You no. just said though they don't overlap with any other magazine. You don't think those people are trying to get into other magazines? You don't think they can? I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know where to begin to speculate on such a question. You you, you kind of said that though. You said I, they I can't over. Um, I just think like. I just. Why do you hate the misery like, tourism people? What's wrong with them? <laughs> I love them. They're well, my friends. But they you. When you are going to send out something to a publication, what are the things that you look for? Um, honestly, at this point, there's just a few publications that I would even probably consider sending something to. Are you serious? Yeah. You don't look for other publications that you might like? No, what's the point? I think that... To get a bigger, to grow your audience and meet new people. I think that uh, anybody who wants to, anybody who's interested in my stuff will like, will know where to find my stuff, you know? You guys boring though, just staying within the same publications? No. No? No. Okay. <laughs> so you excited to work for Hobart? Yes. Are you excited that this happened so you can work for them? This thing that happened over the... Yeah, you know, summer. in fact, I engineered the whole thing. 
so that just so that this would happen obviously I'm a, yeah i'm uh something of a of a mastermind what do you really feel about what about the thing that happened i love it i don't want to, i don't want to talk about it. it hurts my head i'm freaking out after the breakdown thing yeah well it was a it was a it was a difficult conversation kind of yeah how long do you want to keep going i don't know how long have we been going like an hour oh really yeah do you think you have it have what is there anything else that you want to talk about so when did you get into sex work <laughs> um that was probably about a year into my transition why is that funny to you what do you laugh when it says sex work uh because uh it's um because i i look down on sex workers and i oh. think they're and i laugh at them every time i hear even just hear mention of them i laugh hysterically because i so feel like I'm, a... i just feel like i'm so i'm so above them that's why if there was a sex work magazine you would not publish there oh no okay um i it was just a kind of out of left field question i wasn't i was i wasn't anticipating that um no i sex work is great i <laughs> i love it. it okay i um i started i started sex work like yeah about a year into my transition i was like um i just kind of needed money and i had like um i was really afraid to try to get a job i think when i was transitioning oh really for yeah for i think some reasons that were like really real and valid and probably like some that were not well i was i i think i i think i was uh i think i was afraid of how um like people would see me mm -hmm. and i think that um I had an idea in my head that like trans women can't aren't like not allowed to work in normal jobs, which um, that doesn't really square with reality. Although obviously I think a lot of trans women, you know, have a more difficult time in certain jobs based on like the people that they're working with. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and I, I don't know, you know, it's a lot, of, a lot of different factors that would cause you to, do that i also was like hey, there was something attractive about it there's something that seemed like um really edgy and like um like edgy and, and and cool and it was like seemed like a quick you know it was a quick way to make money so why hadn't you thought of that before i had thought of it for sure and it yeah you haven't like seriously considered it though no i well, yeah, I had seriously considered it, but uh, oh, really? I didn't really, like, yeah, I didn't really like, I didn't turn a trick until 2000 and I don't know, 15 or 16 or something. Oh, how does that work? And I was also like living, I was living with other people who did sex work. So it felt like, you know, you have that kind of like, it, it's sort of a normal thing in your social circle and you have that like support. So like, how do you put the word out? Backpage. There was a website called Backpage. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. um, so you could post an ad on there. And you go, you take us through your first time. 
You posted? I wrote, I wrote a little something about it. Yeah. I posted it. This guy came over um, who he was like, a, yeah, he was like a, I think he was like a, an electrician or something. He was la- a larger man and he came t- over to my mm-hmm. apartment and um, he gave me scared? $200. Uh, I was nervous. I wasn't really scared. Did you have I tips probably, from your friends? I probably could have been, could have stood to be more scared. <laughs> Did your friends like, yeah. Yeah, have any advice? For yeah, you? I think I had a lot of tips. Well, maybe, maybe not like direct advice, but uh, I had, you know, I had so many friends who did it. Like I, I sort of knew what it, you know, I, it was ambient. People talked about it a lot. So. So what advice would you give people? Just in general or who want to do sex work? Who want to do sex work? Um, I, well, I would say don't do sex work because it's against oh, the Oh, don't law. do it? You're against it? Yeah, you shouldn't. I, I'm, I think you should always follow the, um, the law and not do things that are illegal. Okay, but if they're in this situation... If they're in that situation, I would say just try try to be as safe as you can. And I didn't follow that. <laughs> That's the advice that I would have felt like that I that I that I would that I should have probably followed is um, check people's phone numbers and um, yeah, check you know. What do you, you mean know, check people's phone numbers? There's some kind of I think like service or registry where people can put their phone number oh. like that other maybe other people like can list people's phone numbers check up on 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 people and be as safe as, as safe as you possibly can and make sure that like people know where you are and that yeah just be yeah. safe because it's a it's not a it's not the safest line of work that there is and um so just cover do you think it should be regulated? I don't know. I don't really have. I don't. I don't. Um, what would that? I don't know. I don't like know. Brothels don't know. and like it should be taxed. There should be safety provisions put in place. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> you don't have an opinion. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know that much about it. I'm sure it's so. Okay, this guy comes over. He's an electrician. Did he tell you that he was an electrician? Um, maybe. I think we like kind of sat and talked for a little while. Oh, was he scared? Was it his first time? He seemed very nervous too. And uh, um, we sat and talked for a little bit, and he laid on my bed and he asked me to eat his asshole, and I started doing it, and there was like shit. It was hairy, and there was like shit in it. (laughs) Yeah. Which was Did the first time anything? that I learned like a lot of, yeah, um, yeah. So Wait, I was he didn't little, clean up. No, well, you know, a lot of people don't. That was when I learned like a lot of guys, especially like straight men, like they don't. A lot of them don't even like really wipe. Fully. They don't wipe. They take like a single square of toilet paper and like do one little swipe, oh, and that is so disgusting. <laughs> I have to like be so clean. Oh. Too, I like. I really like a clean butthole. Yes. On myself. That's that would be my preference. I think there, there should be bidets. There should be. Everywhere. How many times did that happen? 
Like what when you when you would you smell it or did you taste it? I was so not I tasted I was not I was so oh, not prepared. God. I was so not I was so not I was so green. I <laughs> that I was not I was not prepared. And I also was so um I didn't have much co confidence I would say and I later had heard from other people that I knew who did sex work uh that you could just say like oh you need to go take a shower and clean and you know clean yourself. No, I didn't. You're going into his butt. Are you like you're like sort of self-conscious about it and like just going in and out? You didn't like go full in. Um and then you taste it and you're like Ugh. Was it nutty? Was it what? Was it nutty? Oh God. <laughs> it was too hey, it was two hundred dollars and I learned a lesson. A very valuable everybody learned a, everybody so learned taste, a very a very valuable lesson that day. You taste the dookie, what do you say? I said, Oh, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Did you barf? No, not that time. Wait. So what time did you barf? Um, you know, I actually have a piece about that. Of course you do. <laughs> Which is on Hobart. How many pieces do you have on Hobart? I don't know. Like two okay. or three. So it was worth the two hundred. What did you do with the two hundred? Uh, probably spent it on um, alcohol and drugs and food. Oh, you didn't invest it. Yeah, I invested in. I was an early adopter of um, uh, Bitcoin and Tesla. Does it get easier to find poo on someone's butt over time? I think if you're looking out for it. If you know, yeah, if you know what you're looking for. What do you it, look for? And it can be very easy. You look for the poop that's on the butt and you just look for it. And if you're looking out for that, then it's not hard at all. Is it close to the butthole or like around the outer edges? It's, every, it's everywhere. Oh, God. It's disgusting. Did anyone ever try to top you when you were a sex worker? Um, tried and succeeded, yes. Did you want to try and they not succeed? Yes. What's that like? <laughs> Very frustrating. They're on top of you. They can't find the whole... Attempting. No, uh, well, it was more, there would more be a problem with like uh, the, the ability to um, to get and sustain an erection. Oh, mm -hmm. and they got angry about that. It's frustrating. Did they ever attack you for their own limitations? Attack, like physically? Yeah, like punch you in the face? No, no, I never got punched in the face. Okay, or in the back, or in the butt? No. No, I no. So you never had a dangerous experience. Um, I I had experiences that I felt like could probably have become dangerous. Like when? 
Well, I had a guy pull a gun out one time. <laughs> what? He didn't like point it at me, but it was like, I, I think he just wanted to show me that he had it. There was a guy who had like, when I went to his hotel room, he had a, like a bunch of bullets just on the bed for no, for no reason. And um, there were people like, you know, who were, there were people you could tell they were like drunk or high and you just feel like, oh, this doesn't totally feel like, you know, so it felt like something weird could happen. Um, and I also like, I had tricks who were like drug dealers um, and, it, you know, were, yeah, like carrying drugs and money. And <laughs> how long did you do this? Um, I guess like probably a, uh, a year or so is like my primary form of income. Was it better than working at a bookstore? <laughs> Very similar. Very similar. So how much did you charge for in calls versus out calls? Uh, um, I think I added like a little bit of an extra fee for like an out call, but I was pretty open to like bargaining. Mm -hmm. Did they ever clean yeah. their rooms? Um, mostly for an out call, I would go to a hotel. Oh, okay. I don't, I only, I don't know. Oh yeah. I went to some people's homes, I guess. There was a guy I saw like on the upper west side of Manhattan and I would go to his apartment sometimes. And his apartment was always very nice and clean. I don't know if he cleaned it before or if he just sort of maintained it like that. Was he a regular? Um, I saw him a few times. Okay. Was he high end? Was it high end? Uh, I don't know if, you know, I had like, I, I, I had friends who like would do tricks for like, you know, really small, smaller amounts of money. And, um, I think I, I was not like, uh, I was not on Eros, which was like the more upscale, um, website where you could get like trans escorts. I mean, I knew people who, who were on there who, um, charged a lot more than I did, but I think I was sort of in the middle. I was like a middle. <laughs> okay. So what led you to stop? Why did I stop? Why? What led you to in the decision to stop? Was it a, like anything dangerous? Um, I don't know. It was a like during my, during, like during my psychosis and mania, I was like, got really, really into like God. And I felt at that time like felt really like it would have been a like a uh like i was sullying myself or something like it was not like it was not healthy spiritually that makes sense yeah which i think i mean i don't have any moral judgment about any like anybody doing sex work and it's a perfectly legitimate way to make money but for me personally i, I don't think i would do it anymore because of that like psychological and sort of spiritual effect i think it, so you still feel that way towards God that you found, you say you, you think you found God? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that something like that. I don't know how else to explain. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain. So do you identify thing. as like Christian or like Buddhist? Um, you know, I, 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 
quicker. Really, I definitely really relate to like the the teachings of of Christ as they're written, like in the Gospels, um, and also really? the teachings of Buddha. And I think there's there are, um, and in like in the you know in Hinduism, like the Bhagavad Gita. There's I think there's there are teach there are teachings from any number of like saints and figures in in the history of religions that are that 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 are very powerful and speak to me i um so what led to this change in religion during his time did you like find a bible on the ground and pick it up um well i read the bible a lot when i was in the psych ward because that's like the book that they have there the only book um, they have. yeah <laughs> and also i mean i just like i don't know how else I can't, I can't explain like, you know, after I had my like psychosis and mania, I was really depressed for like a year, like suicidally depressed and, um, uh, still using drugs a lot. Did you attempt and, suicide? What? Did you attempt suicide at all? Um, maybe a little. <laughs> a little attempt? Yeah. Like a, a little. cute little petite attempt very small like yeah adorable little suicide attempt um blue (laughs) baby blue um the i i yeah i don't know i don't know how to there there's nothing else really that i can attribute like my uh, uh, relief of symptoms of depression and um and drug addiction i can't attribute it to anything else and i can't um writing uh I mean that's a that's a helpful thing, but it's not like that's not you can't. I don't think you can cure yourself of like stuff like that, mm-hmm. but just by writing. I, I think it's really important to do to like do the work that you're put on this planet to do. And I think that not being um, not being creatively active was probably a, a a large contributing factor in my like malaise. Um, but yeah, I can't like I can't I can't. I can't, I can't think of a, I think I can't think of a better explanation for how, you know, how I could, how I could be essentially cured of addiction and mental illness without the, like, without some kind of divine intervention. It just doesn't really make sense. Otherwise, Mm. (laughs) I'm kind of a lapsed churchgoer. Yeah, I enjoy going to church, but I don't really go very much. You don't go to I just mass. like sitting and I just like um, you know, I went to a Quaker church and um <gasps> for a while and I enjoy I just enjoy that. I just like sitting with other people and like, you know. Is your family Quakers? No, no. No. Oh. My my both of my parents are have very like very very defined but very personal sort of spiritual beliefs and practices grow up going to church or anything like that and well, how did they feel that you believe differently than them um well i i i don't know and i don't know if i really do believe i mean there are probably like specific things that i possibly believe differently but i'm kind of of the school that like um uh the the, the most important to me, like the most important teachings of any like spiritual tradition or philosophy, um, they uh, they tend to resemble the the most important teachings of like any other. <laughs> Did you write your own Bible? I don't. No, no, I don't. I wouldn't write my own Bible. 
do you think that your the things that you experienced during your breakdown do they con come into conflict with what you believe um i well probably they came into conflict conflict with like things that i used to believe uh okay i have a question because you said you transitioned you you felt like or you knew you were a woman and then you detransitioned because it changed do you think that you will ever ever feel that you would be a woman again well i feel like i i mean i uh, a possibility uh, sure <laughs> And if it happened, would you take hormones and go through the process? I, f I feel like it's probably pretty unlikely I, because I, I feel pretty happy with like where I'm at. Um, hypothetically, if in like in five years, things change in your life and you feel like you're like, oh, I'm a woman for this, for the next few years, I'm probably going to be so. Mm -hmm. Would you go through the processes of a full That's transition? That's a lot of... <laughs> That's a lot of hypotheticals here. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Would you be afraid of being judged by your peers? Um, I think I would be less afraid now, probably, than I used to be. But do you think? Although it is really like, yeah, it is. It is a scary thing. Do you think people would be like, "Oh, there's unity transitioning again"? I think that would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, if I was going to do it, it would probably be as a as like a bit. <laughs> You're gonna do it as a bit. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a decent bit, I think. Like continuing to go back. Yeah, but I don't really like the thing is I don't really see like you know detransition is framed as this going as like a going backwards, and I don't I don't see it that no. way for me at all. Like no, I wasn't um, framing it like that. No, I'm just saying that that's how it's often like how it's often seen, you know. And there there's this narrative really? of like. Well, I think so. I mean, it's like there's this narrative of like I transitioned and it was wrong and I felt like manipulated into transitioning and I regret mm -hmm. it. So now I'm going backwards to the person that I used to be. Right. But for me, I think like transition and detransition were both part of like the same just the same process, which was like the the um, like the creative process of becoming and like figuring out who I actually am on a deep on a on a very deep level you know i think it's it was all it was all it was all like a part of the same process so why do you use the word detransition then just because it's, it's the just word convenient that... yeah it's just convenient i, I... what about retransition well i feel like that if i use that word it would it would uh it would seem like uh, wouldn't that seem like it was that i was like gonna retransition back to female no, because if you were if you transitioned and then you're female and then oh retransition, yeah, I can see that. But I think that if I think if you saw that word, you would you would immediately think like the first thing you would think is like oh, you would have to like explain what you're talking about because well, I think like when people, if people see the word if I if I put this on Twitter and I say he she what's your pronouns. <laughs> I like the like MTFTM type thing. That's not a pronoun. <laughs> MTFTM. Yeah, you know, like with trans, like with trans people, sometimes I don't know if it's even like politically correct anymore. Well, it probably is. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like MTF or FTM. Yeah. So you want to go? 
MTFM. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think... Uh, Maybe I shouldn't even explain it. I don't think I can explain it on Twitter. I think a lot of um, a lot of gender is like um, isn't is. I think there was a time when I would have said like my my uh, like that um, that my gender was like a reflection of something really deep inside me, and I I don't really see it that way anymore. I think it's um, it's surface level. I think so. Really? I think it's, it's, and it's not as important to me as it used to be. And it's not, and it's also not as important to me that other people see me uh, as a certain way or another. I have s- s- sort of tried to let go of, of some of that. Um, How people see you? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think there can be a tendency to get so wrapped up in the way that other people perceive you and like the, the supposed like dignity that other people can grant you mm-hmm. or not. And I think that um, it's a really understandable thing because um, I don't know, like that's how it's how we exist in the world is, is through our interactions with others, but it can really be, I think it, it could be really, um, I think it's healthier to develop a sense of like, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, people still sometimes like, <laughs> Like on the phone, people often call me ma'am and, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's not as, it's not as important to me how other people perceive me. Have you always been very thin? Thin? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I have, mm-hmm. I've, I, <laughs> I was thinner when I was uh, a kid. Okay. Yeah, I think so. You maintained a well diet throughout the years. Mm, I haven't always had a healthy diet. I try to oh. be more healthy now. I'm more, I'm much more conscious of my health um, now than I used to be. Because of the thing that you don't want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> no, just in general. I think it, I, I'm much more health conscious. Can we talk about the thing that you don't want to talk about? Oh, you mean like my weird fake autoimmune disease? Your illness? No, you have HIV and that that was the cause of it? Um, yes. That's not something I don't want to talk about. Well, we I can just, talk about your HIV. If you want to. What was it like uh, finding out? <laughs> uh, it was like... Um, well, it was kind of sad, but I was like, it, was, it wasn't really unexpected at the time. Do you think you got it from your sex work? Um, I don't know. I, I I don't really know where I got it. But did you uh, attract it before? You know, and also like when I did sex work, I was always safe? Uh, very safe. Yeah, <laughs> private life, I was not. <laughs> oh, really? No, and it kind of comes. I think it comes with the territory of like, you know, uh, you know, being like gay or or trans and like a meth user and having unsafe sex it's like you know that's the i was kind of checked a lot of the boxes Mm -hmm. um so so was it a big deal when you got it wasn't a big deal well yeah i mean it was definitely sad there's definitely like a sad feeling it 
it's do you think people will judge you um yeah probably oh. i feel like that's gone a little bit like maybe not from the hetero universe but i feel like maybe in our community well i think it's still i think you're still judged a lot by uneducated people but right it's, it's gone away a, li a tiny bit yeah i mean yeah people talk about it a lot more it's do you do you take p the what's it called prep well i i take a yeah i take my i take medication every day okay cool have other people ever come to you and ask you for advice on gender um probably more in the past like what <laughs> i mean like i think more i got probably more people ask like uh like when i was actually living as a trans woman there were mm -hmm. probably a lot of people who or want to know things about that <laughs> did you do you do you see yourself did you see yourself as a trans woman or a woman um it's the same to you i don't know that's like a discourse rabbit hole <laughs> yeah and did you when you were during your transition did you ever consider having surgery if you oh. had them if you had had the money yeah Probably. So if, if you had had surgery and then retransitioned, would you have had surgery again? I don't know. Uh, it's a, again a lot of hypotheticals. Yeah, let's let's go on the hypotheticals. Let's live in that universe. I mean, I don't know. I I don't right now. I wouldn't want to have like a surgery for anything yeah but if you had had surgery would you have gotten another surgery if you were like super rich and you could afford it i don't know okay have you had surgery before when did you lose your hair i actually haven't lost my hair i just shaved my head so you grow your hair back um i yeah i mean you can kind of see where it would be how do you shave your head i use a so like a shaving soap with a that's in a like a mug that comes in a mug and i use a brush and i brush the soap onto my scalp and then i use a razor like a bic razor and shave the the hair mm. So why don't you grow it out? This it's just a style that I like right now. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I guess about a year or two, two years maybe. Do you want and, to talk you about know, the my, illness? Um, okay. So I had a to tooth infection like two years ago, and um, whoa, <laughs> I had a tooth infection. And I had to get my wisdom teeth out and then two other molars. And like during that time, I started, I got all these other like weird symptoms um, that seemed to be like uh, indicating a like a hormone imbalance or something. And it's just been like a lot, very long process of not, of like going to different doctors and not having them be able to really tell me anything concrete about 
what is going on and um it just yeah it seems like i just have some kind of unexplained as yet unexplained possibly autoimmune or something else illness it comes from the taking the hormone um i have no idea what it comes from i have really have no idea it's i mean it 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 started when i had this infection in my teeth and uh it certainly could have something to do with like my immune system i guess or even i one thing i thought about was that it could have something to do with the medication that i take because you know that over time when it builds up in your body like there i know it can cause side effects um but i really don't know there's been no um no like def- the no definitive um diagnosis that's scary to you yeah it is it is it is because I, uh yeah it's very scary because i don't know um if i'll ever be like uh i don't know if i'll ever get better i don't know what the we don't know what it is could you define getting better could I define? I mean, I have very specific symptoms, and if those went away, like getting tired. Yeah, I have like really extreme chronic fatigue. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I get really like really really worn out by doing very little. Um, and how do you plan out for that? Uh, well, I just don't do a lot of things mostly, and in fact, it's kind of why I started writing so much is because I didn't. Like I'm not, I'm just not as able to like get up and move around as much. And, you know, just like doing something like going to the grocery store and getting groceries could be like completely exhausting and I'll like have to spend the rest of the day in bed. Um, and so, yeah, planning, I haven't, you know, I've gone, I haven't really been able to like travel as much as I would like, and I haven't been able to work full time and, um, Yeah. Where do you work? I don't have a job. Oh. So how do you pay? You live with your parents like me? Yeah, I live with family. And uh, I have a... I get some money from disability. And I also... I got got a grant. (gasps) For your art? Yeah. That was like a program through the... Andrew Mellon Foundation, where like artists of a certain income level could apply and get a grant. Oh, cool. We live in New York State. Because I looked you up and it said you were like a life coach or something. <laughs> yeah. When was this? I don't know. It I said- think it might have been a, a little. Maybe that was just a kind of a bit. It was not a bit. There was like this professional website and it's like these professional people. And then it's like, uh, Matthias T. Mietzfield, uh, also known as unity age is alter, alter ego, miss unity works as a life coach or something. Hmm. You want to look That's this up? Thing. I don't know. I've, I've never seen that. You've never seen. Let me look this up real quick. <laughs> I think that might on. be that might have been somebody like who is just pretending to be me. No way. Yeah, probably like one of those, um, like catfish. 
So are you dating? <laughs> no. No. How many no. boyfriends have you had? Like three, four. Okay. You plan on getting married? I couldn't tell you. Can you put the microphone closer to your face? It's hard to hear you. Uh, okay. Are you? Do you feel like you're done with this, or do you want to keep going? Yeah, I kind of feel like done. You feel done? Yeah. Don't you feel done? Do you want to ask me anything? Um. When does your book come out? Next year. Wait. What day? What year? I, it's um twenty twenty three. Okay. What? Yeah. Month. We don't know. I don't know. She hasn't told you yet. It has. Yeah. It has. It has yet to be determined. When do you begin editing? Uh, well, we're gonna be starting to take submissions soon. She hasn't announced it. I don't think so. Oh, did she get gather you all around in like a Zoom call and talk to you guys? No. 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 How does she do it? What's the process? Um, I don't know. We just like talk on email. You're so tired of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> We got five minutes left. Let's just get to five minutes. Do we? Yeah. Okay. What else do you want to talk about? With your sickness. Yeah. How does it does it affect your writing? Are you going to write about it? It probably does. Yeah. I mean. It... I thought you were like very courageous and like you didn't give a shit about anything. What do you mean? I know with the sickness, you said you were scared, and then sometimes I've asked you about writing, about other what other people think of your writing, or what you anticipate what other people might think about your writing, and it seems like you do. At uh, some points, are vulnerable. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can. Can you ever give that up entirely? Like you're not a narcissist or something. It's. Um, you're not a psychopath. But. But yeah, I, I mean, it. of course it's scary to be, I mean, to have illness and to not, especially to not know. Or when you're writing, like. It's not like I'm immune to fear. I'm yeah. just a person. Well, because you, know? you have these, you have these characters and they're so over the top. I guess some people just might think you're not a human. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a human. Yeah. That you don't Is have that feelings. You think you think, you think I come off not, as a non-human with no like, feeling. That's why I like the piece that you read. Hmm. You get into your inter interiority. Right. Yeah. No, I'm just pretty much like a normal person, I think. Do you want to sing us out? No. <laughs> no, no, I'm honestly I'm like a little I'm just a little tired now. Okay, I'll let you go. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay, Thank, thanks. Did you have fun? Are you going to do another podcast with someone else? Um, Yeah, yeah, I think, Ooh. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, if somebody asked me, you I would know. do it. I don't oh. know. What about uh, Stephanie, your co-editor? Um, What about her? What if she asked you to be on her podcast? Well, that would be great. <laughs> so you want to be on her podcast? Um, 
I feel like you're asking me leading questions to get to a certain place. No, I'm not. I hadn't really thought about it. We haven't met in person. There's very few people that I, well, no, I've met some people in person at reading, readings and stuff. Like Rudy? But that's not, I have not met Rudy, no. You all live in, in New per- York. Um, we live pretty far away from each other, actually. New York is a big state. Like six hours away? I think maybe, maybe five or four. They live very, they live like on the, uh, I think on the Canadian border. Has your mom read your writing? Yeah. What does she think? She, um, she likes it. Is she a writer herself? Um, she has written things, but she doesn't really like write very much that I know of. But she's always been a creative. She's an artist. That's what I thought. Is she an actor? Yeah. Um, she taught. She so a, a long time ago. She was. She was in like did theater and she taught theater. And you were thinking about doing that once. Like, I, yeah, I've been in some like plays and stuff a long a while. You ago. did that for your final. Right, right, right. Yeah, somebody didn't call it in college. Yeah, and you did like Dionysus. Yes. You want to talk about that as we go out? Um, Since that was your final, and this is the final moments. So, what do you want? You want? <laughs> you want out of here, man? All right, I'll let you go. Okay, I'm just starting to get. I'm getting a little tired. Okay, from the okay. sickness or just me? Um, no, I, I'm. Yeah, I, it, it, I'm just losing energy from this interview. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just tired of me. Okay. No, Jesus. <laughs> what? what is this? This is like some kind of psychological experiment that you're doing. No, I'm not. I'm just letting you go. I just, I would like to end on a story with you dancing in your final moments at your final. Um, so it was like, it was a class, the class was about performance art. And um, I don't even really remember like what I did exactly. It was like, I, I was reading the Euripides back guy for another course that I was taking. Mm-hmm. And um, I read from that or recited something from it. And I did some kind of ritual where I burned incense and I used wine. I think I just, I like I anointed myself with wine or something and did some kind of like Dionysian ceremony, which I didn't really understand what I was doing. (laughs) And yeah, some kind of like weird gender thing. See you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks. No problem. This has been so much fun.